Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we talk everything and anything related to the world of music. My name is Scott Cowie, I'm a musician, I'm an author of the book Things You Won't Believe About Music, which is available to buy on Amazon. I'm a father as well, just saying. Now this week we have a spectacular interview with the one and only Linda Perry. What a singer, what a songwriter, what an icon, what a legend and she gives a fantastic interview. Honesty is the subject matter of today because Linda gives a refreshing honest take on the music industry, her career and everything that goes along with it. It's the Talk Music Podcast, I'm Scott Cowie and this is Linda Perry. Okay, I am joined now by the one and only... The legend, the person who I would describe as a waterfall of wisdom, Linda Perry, how are you? I like that, waterfall of wisdom. Hey, listen, it's a co-write already, we're heading for a co-write, we've got matching shirts, we're co-writing, it's all Mm -hmm. good. I owe you a big thank you, and you'll have no idea why, so I'm going to, let me just tell you this, my son is eight weeks old as of today, right? And there are three songs that stop him from crying. All About You by McFly. Um, Shut Up At Your Face by Joe Dolce. And <laughs> What's Up? What's Up by the Phone Ones. So I don't know if that was oh, that's amazing. I don't know if that was your intent when writing that song, but it's really, really helping us out. And sincerely from my wife and I, a huge thank you because it's it's helping every night. Yeah, thank you for that. That's sweet. Um, congratulations. Um, I have a, a six-year-old, and when his his songs that he loved were "Yellow Submarine" um, uh, by the Beatles, and um, there was like I had this really weird rough demo of a song of an artist I worked with, and my son was just out of control, crying, couldn't get to sleep, and I just I just panicked and put this song on. And it was like literally the song. Never, no one's ever heard it before, but it was just a song that he just loves. So I get it. I appreciate it. Well, um, your son, uh, uh, pardon me, what's your son's name? Don't make me ask. His name is Rhodes, like Rhodes. the Fender Rhodes. Yeah. Um, now, he's a privileged young man because you mentioned Yellow Submarine and he was with Ringo Starr, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Can, you, can yeah. you tell us what was going on there? Is this a top secret thing? Is there anything you could tell us? Um, so, yeah, my son is a, a, at a very early age, was a big um, Beatle fan, and Ringo was his favorite. And I have videos of him saying Ringo's his favorite Beatle. And, um, and then, you know, he's six now, but just like, I don't know, maybe six months ago... I think it was six months, five or six months ago. Um, Bruce Sugar, which is um, Ringo's producer, reached out and said that him and Ringo were talking about me and felt that I would be, I'm one of the best songwriters out there and that we should get a song from me. And um, I was like, first of all, back up, you and Ringo were talking about me. And um, so of course I said yes and you know didn't really know what was you know the project was exactly and then so you know one day I was leaving work and I started walking out my door and um let me um let me go back in I think I have a song in me and so I just literally wrote this whole song 
demoed it down really quick, played bass, put guitars, all that. I mean, just super fast and just, okay, this feels good. This feels like Ringo Starr to me. Sent it along. And then I get a phone call back from Ringo about a few days later. And Ringo calling and saying, um, oh my God, you know, it's, it's like, you know, um, you, you, you know, um, you, you speak in my words. This is exactly who I am. Cause the song's called coming undone. Anyways, he loved it. And then him and the producer on, and then this was the best compliment ever. So they're like, this song is amazing. Like, first of all, who's playing bass? Because that is incredible feel whoever's playing bass. We want to keep that. And I, and I start laughing and I go, that was me. That was just me playing it, getting the song down. And he thought it was phenomenal. And so mind you, Paul McCartney is the best bass player ever. And to get Ringo Starr who played with the best play bass player ever to say that about my feel. And it was phenomenal was like, that was it. So so that was it. And so I recorded, I left, they kept everything I did. I sent it back to them. Um, Ringo played uh, drums and put the vocal on. They sent it back to me. I put some vocals on because he wanted me to sing with them. Then they wanted me to come down and listen to the song and do a little like, you know, video of hanging out with Ringo, you know, and acting like we're, we're in the middle of recording. And um and then I so I was like, hey, son, do you want to go on a adventure with me? And he's all, well, I go, I got to do this thing for work. Do you want to come with me? And he's like, OK, so we go. And he's like, where are we going? I'm like, it's just I just got to stop in and do a quick video. And he's like, oh, OK, great. So we walk in. And first of all, I'm greeted by Peter Frampton. And I'm like looking at him going. You know, and I met him a long time ago. I'm like, Peter, wh hello, what are you doing here? And then Ringo walks out and my son is looking at him like, wait a minute, this guy looks very familiar. And then I'm son, this is Ringo. And he's just like kind of still taking it in. And then um, Ringo off, he's like, so do you play drums? And he's like, yeah, I play drums. And and um, I'm like, well, he's still learning. He's going to get, a, he's getting lessons. And Ringo says, well, why don't I give you a lesson? And then right then Rhodes got it. It all clicked in. And then it's like he turned like red and started like getting all shy. And then it was like beyond for him. He he couldn't believe it. Like it was like the best day ever for him. Ooh, and Ringo's but Ringo's the nicest, nicest man. I mean, literally the nicest. And he looks so good and he's healthy and he's funny and he's happy. And you just get this feeling of this guy is just living a good life. Oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad I asked that. That's such a good story. What was more thrilling for you? You getting to work, for Ring, uh, work with Ringo or providing your son with that amazing opportunity? I mean, I'm always going to choose anything that has to do with giving my son um, a you know life lesson um, an, an, an incredible experience as the number one thing, because, you know, I feel like he takes in so much information and it's all good for him. Like, I really am tr very transparent with him. I tell him everything and I could tell he, that was a really big moment for him. I could see the way he was reacting and he talks about it still, 
you know, he has pictures of it. You know, he watches the video of when he was one years old talking about Ringo and then seeing the picture of him oh, with Ringo and he, so and he's making the connection, you know, it's not like, Oh yeah, I've met Ringo star and yeah. he's throwing it, you know? So, um, okay. I think, um, you know, just to have that kind of um, connection to that, this is a very important piece in your life right now. Like he really got it. So that to me is, you know, hands down the better thing, but, you know, writing a song and oh, singing man. and playing. Now, mind you, I didn't just write the song. I got to sing with Ringo and play bass with Ringo. So that to me, you know, it's, it's oh, definitely that, a big one for me. That is amazing, Linda. That's truly amazing. I'm so happy that that opportunity for your son came about and that you got to work with Ringo playing bass. I mean, you couldn't ask for any more. It's absolutely great. I'm going to quickly put you under pressure here because you put your uh, you posted in social media a couple of weeks ago. You asked your followers, what's your favorite Beatles song? If I can ask you the same thing, give me give me three or four. If you get one standout or maybe ones that you really like, what are your, what are your thoughts? Um, you know, I've thought about that many times and I think the, you know, I don't think it's the best of the songs, but it's the one for some reason for me emotionally, it really, you know, and it probably wasn't what they, you know, what the expectation of the song, I understand what the song was about, but for me, help was like still today, you know, when I hear that melody and hear that song, it emotionally triggers something in me because it had, I don't know, there's something about the time because I believe it might have been 1967, 1968, something like that. 65, when that, song that was help, yeah. Was 65. Okay, so when I really discovered Beatles was more when I was five, six years old. And, um, I had a very troubling, you know, I had a hard upbringing and, um, and for some reason that song just, it hit me, you know, because of the word help, because I felt like inside I'm, I'm screaming that, you know, help. And it's like, you know, so, and then melodically and just how simple, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about the Beatles. Like it, a lot of the songs were super simple, but melodically, complicated and lyrically very adventurous about mm -hmm. taking you somewhere different than the obvious, you know? So anyway, so yeah, I mean, there's so many, but you know, when to answer that question, now, I would just say that. Now you mentioned honesty there and you actually mentioned it as part of the first question as well, when you're talking about teaching your son life lessons and you're very transparent with him, honesty, um, and you have gone hand in hand. Um, since the start of your career but what gave you the confidence to be so honest obviously we all know the story and in the midst of this the the second album of the, the four non-blondes you took this big bold step of leaving and you, were, you as, as far as the honesty goes where did that confidence come from just to be so honest with everybody that you've interacted with you know i almost want to say it's because there was a lack of honesty in my life. Everything was hidden. So many skeletons, so many lies, so much manipulation. And 
I just couldn't bear and I just can't bear, you know, even putting anybody through that kind of stuff, whether it's a stranger or a lover, you know, honesty is how I survive. And being honest with myself among, you know, and, and being honest about my feelings really literally is, is, has been a survival tool for me. And, um, it is constantly such a beautiful gift to me. Honesty is just the most beautiful gift you can give anybody because there's so much we can heal and do with that, you know, like, even if it's a stranger, like as simple as, you know, walking down the street and telling somebody their fly is open. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like, I do that shit all the time. Like, Hey, you got something in your tooth or Hey, you know, just to let you know, somebody's peeking out of your nose. Um, your flies down, blah, 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 blah. I like do that all the time. And the watch the people's expression, like, you know, like they're just so grateful. Like, so like it's refreshing. And it's, it's, it's weird that honesty is a refreshing way to be, you know, being honest. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to lie. It's, it, 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 I, if I've told a lie or even white lied something, it like literally eats me away. And so I'm really grateful that I turned in that, that I was able to turn things that were not so positive um, into something positive instead of going down, you know, you'll hear a lot of stories about, you know, kids growing up and choosing the same path as their parents or, you know, growing up just like their parents, being a bad parent. Like I am a great parent, you know, because I had such bad ones and, um, and what a gift, you know, that my parents gave to me whether they knew it or not, they gave me an incredible life lesson. Don't be me when you grow up. And that's all I saw was I'm not going to be like those guys at all. You know, so I feel lucky in that area that I was able to turn things around and, and build a life and have so much great intention. And, um, and I like to help. And honesty helps. Yeah, and talking of, of helping, you've helped many artists' careers. Apart from obviously being a, a great singer-songwriter yourself, that's a big part of the reason why a lot of artists are drawn to you. But as a large part of the reason as well is the honesty. It's because you know when the record company or whoever it may be are going to send that artist to Linda, she's going to tell you exactly what she think, thinks about that song. That's got to be a big draw, surely. Well, I think that yeah, I definitely have built that, you know, um, reputation and I do, I do have people that come to me specifically just to listen to an album or an artist and tell them what, you know, I think. And a lot of times, you know, and this is like, this is life, you know, sometimes people just get unsure, you know, they, they, they have doubt, you know, of course, I mean, this business helps it, 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 it incubates doubt, you know, like, you know, from labels, not knowing what they're doing or talking about, but they're, because they're the label, they act like they know everything. And it creates doubt on the artist because wait, they're the label. 
they've been doing this forever. They signed that person and that person. So they must know what they're talking about. And the truth is they don't, you know, half the time they might have an idea. Of course, we're all smart. We all have ideas, but really every artist needs to be catered to differently. So, you know, so I'll get people in our managers, whatever, and play me a record because they just need a second opinion. And they know my opinion is going to be honest one. I'm not going to, I don't want anything. I'm not trying to get a gig. I don't need their help. I don't need their money. I don't need anything. So which makes me a great person to come to because I don't need anything from you. I don't need anything from you. Thank you for talking to me, but I don't need this, you know, but I want to, I want to um, participate in the growth of the music business. And in, in order to do that, you have to be honest. And so, yeah, so people come to me for an opinion and they know my opinion is going to be a valid one. And, and I give it, and sometimes they don't like it, but they totally hear it and respect it. And most of the time they knew all of this before coming to me and they just needed validation. Mm -hmm. And so you've worked with many artists, as we said, I want to get this story, if it's okay. Christina Aguilera, of course, amazing song, beautiful that you'd written. Um, to go back to the Beatles, I would, being a big Beatles fan myself, I would love to have been in the room when John Lennon was presenting help to the rest of the group. I just think it would be amazing to be a fly in the wall there. So if you can, please take us back to the first time that you played um, Beautiful to Christina Aguilera. And if you could talk us through her reaction at the time. So, you know, Christina was an interesting one because here's this girl that had a booming career, you know, with Jeannie in the bottle and what a girl wants. And, you know, it was very, very, you know, it was lighthearted kind of lyrical. It wasn't deep. It wasn't going anywhere crazy, but she had a thing and she had this really incredible voice. And, you know, and when I had met her, I just picked it up, you know, right away, you know? And so I was like, you know, you should use your, your, depression and darkness on your next album and she looked at me like I was like who the fuck are you you know and I'm like listen everybody knows you can sing but nobody knows that you can feel what you're actually singing mm. and she just like was you know dropped her mouth and and but whatever it was that I said it got her attention and she called you know her people reached out a week later and so she came over and I, and I don't allow management. I don't allow pop, you know, I don't allow posses, whatever, you know, your, whatever those on, people are called. Entourage. Your entourage. Not allowed in my studio. And all that is this distraction. So she showed up by herself and she was like, you know, um, nervous because she's not used to that. And I, and she's like, you know, um, I'm a little nervous and she was open. She's like, I'm nervous. Do you think you can play me something to break the ice? Um, I think you have a beautiful voice and I like your voice and I, I would great to hear it. So, and I had just, you know, written beautiful and did the finishing touches on it. And um, so I just play that to her and, you know, I could feel her presence getting closer and closer to me. And when I was done, she was like, you know, can I get a demo of that, the piano and the lyrics? And I said, why? And she was like, because I would like to have that song on my album. And I, and that wasn't 
up for grabs at the time. It was just a song I played to her to break the ice. So I really had to think about it, you know, because I didn't understand a girl like Christina who had everything that was beautiful would even understand what the song was truly about. And, but then I let her sing it, you know, demo it. And, um, I mean, I, I bought every note as soon as she started, I could tell she was nervous. She was vulnerable and her emotion was on point. And then it hit me like, okay, you know, she gets it. She gets it. Yes, of course. That's right. Because you called her dark. Of course she gets this, Linda. And the most telling part was at the very beginning of the song, I let her that day bring a friend. And I said, okay, no problem. And um, so she brings the friend and she's literally, you know, in the, in the, you can hear this on the microphone and she, cause she's reading the lyrics and she, says to her friend and we're all in the same room because my studio is just like one big open room and um we're all on headphones and she says to i start the song you know and then she says to her friend you know in a whisper like you know and she said that and i knew right there this girl's vulnerable i'm keeping that and this song is definitely hers so i left that at the very top the majority of the vocal, 80% of the vocal is her live take, her first take. Really? And we just pop, yeah, we just, we just punched in a few words that she flubbed, you know, because she was just knew the song and then punched in the bridge because she didn't know what to do with the bridge yet. And then we punched in that, but 80% of that vocal is the, the first take that she did that first demo. Oh, it's, it's an absolutely, it's an amazing story. And how you get to the, the artist to, to these places uh, emotionally is, is, is phenomenal indeed. Um, now it, you're talking about your studio there. What do you think makes a good environment for, for a studio? Just not to, not to do equipment or anything like that. Obviously, you need really good equipment. That's a given. But as far as making the artist feel, feel comfortable, I think you're a little bit of a, um, I hope you don't mind me saying, a wee bit of a psychologist in that way. You obviously hit the nail on the head every time. What is it that makes an artist come into your studio and feel that comfortable? I think it's because it goes back to my honesty. You know, I am, I'm not a bullshitter. I don't care who walks through the door. You know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't, I'm not an ass kisser. I'm not going to tell people what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what I feel they need to hear. Um, so it makes me safe. Because again, I don't have an agenda. I don't have an intention. My intention is just to make people feel comfortable and creative. And in order to be creative and comfortable, you have to feel safe in your environment. And I just, I just supply that safety. I don't know how. And I, and I talk to them. I don't just whip out, here's the song a mine by Linda Perry. Here you go. Sing it and sing it exactly like this. I don't do that. I'm not Dr. Luke. You know, I don't sit there and formulate music and here's the BPM and here's the shit that, you know, 
he's great at doing that stuff. All those people are, but that's not who I am. I'm more like, I start from scratch. I want to know about the artists. I want to talk to them. I want to hear what's on their mind. I want to know what's troubling them. And then as they're talking, you know, I can just reach over and start, you know, I'll pick up a guitar and there's something in their, their tone, you know, and I'll just like, go, and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's time. The song is here, you know, you know, and I'll just get them to ad lib. I put the microphone in front of them. I grab, you know, if it's piano or guitar and I hear it all in their voice in their talking voice. And then I'll just say ad lib the way you just did just now. You told me a story. This whole conversation we've been having has been ad lib. Did you plan on having this conversation? No. Did you write it out before you got here? No. And I said that to ad libbing, you know, as you and I right now, you might have an idea of what you want to ask me, but all my questions, all my answers are just coming from the top of my head, from my heart. So to me, that's what music is. Music is exactly that. So you should get in front of that microphone and just not know what you're doing and just, I don't know what I'm saying right now. I'm feeling kind of desperate. You make me nervous every day, but that's just the way it is. I don't, you know, whatever. So I'm just saying whatever is the top of my head right now. Whether it's good or not, it doesn't matter. It's getting the comfort of exploring the possibilities of what you're capable of doing without knowing what you're doing. And the most brilliant people in the world, the, the biggest scholars, the best poets, the best storytellers in the world cannot sit down and create something more genius than what's going to come out of your unconscious mind. Wow. That's it. Your, your writing process, you pick up the guitar, and you, as you just said there, whatever happens, happens. I've, I've heard that, you, you state that before. What songs, you might, this might be a case of there's far too many to mention, but can you remember what songs have came like that? They just, you know, you started All of them. And, all there's, of them? Wow. All of them come that, I don't plan a song. They all mm -hmm. come that way. I, I don't, I've never pre-written a lyric. I've never sat go, okay, I'm going to today, let's see, I'm going to do, I'm going to do F, a G minor. And then I'm going to switch to F. Where do I go? Hmm. I don't know. Do I do, you know, no, I don't do that. I just. Oh, that sounds weird. Whatever. I'm still going to do it. You know, I just go with it. And then I just start, if, if the chords feel right, I just start singing. And then the lyrics, the melody, everything, the arrangement, it all comes at the same time. Excellent. Now, um, last thing, I'm going to let you get away in a couple of minutes. I am going to, my, my wife got me tickets to go and see Joker being played at the Royal Concert Hall. They're bringing, a, they're touring with an orchestra and they're playing the, the soundtrack while the film is playing. Um, now, I've heard that you're a, a big fan of the soundtrack of Joker. Is that right? Yes. Oh my God. How beautiful. I never, I didn't even think about that. Is it, is it, um, Hilder doing it or is it somebody else? She's not been just advertised. Conducting. It's been cancelled right. a couple of times because of COVID, but I don't know if that's conflicting with her schedule. Yeah. I, I really hope that she's doing it. Um, 
Is that what yeah, it's so beautiful because the reason why it's my favorite, I'm like, ever. I mean, it's such a great, I mean, she nailed it because what she did, I rarely see in films. She nailed the his theme, his character. Like when he evolved, she evolved. You know what I mean? It's like the music evolved with the character. And then she was, I mean, it was so eerie and powerful and beautiful the way every single time he had the transformation that the song, you know, that bathroom scene, you know, where he's transforming into the Joker after shooting, you know, the guy for the very first time, having that first taste of killing someone, the strength of killing somebody that was, you know, affecting him emotionally that was putting him down and he went into that bathroom and that music came on and he just transformed into the Joker when he transformed into the Joker, when he went out to the talk show, you know, with yeah. Murray, I mean, all of it, you know, it was incredible. I mean, what she delivered was like, that was a true collaboration. She became mm -hmm. a different care. She brought in a character that was a supporting role. You know, Absolutely. she didn't just earn the best composed. That was best supporting actor, you know, like she, that was an incredible, like, that's what an actor, as a supporting actor is supposed to do with the main character. But she played that part and she did it so, I mean, genius. I mean, literally the best. Nothing can top that to me, except another one. one of her soundtracks. <laughs> I've got two quotes that I'm going to read to you and you have to guess who said them, okay? And here's a twist. You are always in the possible options to answer, okay? So here we go. Labels run around saying there's a problem. People aren't buying records. No, they're not buying your records because you're making shitty ones. Now put some really oh, good records me. out. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last uh, quote, and I'll let you get away, okay? Right now, a lot of women are choosing to be pushed around, choosing fame out of dignity. Why fucking listen? Why are you listening to dumb fucking idiot that's telling you that your breasts are too small and your lips are too perky? Tell them to fuck off. Why are women doing it? Why does a woman go into the hotel room with a slimy guy who says private jets, money in your account? All you got to do is suck me off. You'll have everything uh, you no, want. That, suck is, my dick is, and it'll take Unless five somebody minutes. else is that foul, that's definitely me. <laughs> All right. the, the, the choices were going to be Linda Perry or Dolly Parton. It seems pretty obvious. <laughs> Linda, it's been an absolute pleasure. I truly, truly appreciate the time. You're, you're a legend. And if you and Rhodes are ever over in Scotland, please give us a shout. Scott, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. The fantastic Linda Perry. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. A huge special thanks to Ron North, as per usual, for producing this podcast. Hopefully that will be part one of many with the one and only Linda Perry. You could talk all day to Linda and you wouldn't scratch the surface of her knowledge in the music industry and everything involved in her career. Thank you for checking this episode out. Check out the previous episodes with Steve Gadd, Dorothea Taylor. There are hundreds. I'm Scott Cowie. Take care, everyone, and stay safe.